You've tuned in to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. Hello and welcome to the program. Ever considered living on purpose? There's a popular philosophy that suggests we go with the flow, don't rock the boat, just take life as it comes. While there's a place for that in some areas, a satisfying life requires a more deliberate approach. Tonight, Dr. Corbett continues a series of discussions that may well change your life. Basing his discussions on Rick Warren's book, A Purpose Driven Life, Dr. Corbett explores the importance and the process of finding purpose and meaning for life. If living life on purpose is a new idea for you, join Dr. Corbett now for the fourth in his series on finding purpose and meaning for life. I'd like you to open your Bible to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're going to have a look in a moment from the amplified version of that, but for the, for the purpose of uh, what we're about, we'll just open up to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're going to take verses 10, 11 and 12 as we look at finding meaning and purpose for our life. Uh, you know, there are some people that will live their lives with absolutely no understanding of what their lives are designed for. No understanding of what life is meant to hold for them. And there are, some, there, there are some Christians, and this is the concern I have, there are some Christians who live their lives as if God is supposed to give them the exact detail, the exact you know, dot point detail of where their life should go, where their life is headed. And, and I'm really concerned about that. Because I think that actually stifles Christians from living to the fullness that God has intended us to live. And I want to show you this today. I want to show you that according to Proverbs chapter 16, the plans of a man's heart are from that man. But it is the Lord who gives the answer of the tongue. In other words, there is a sense in which life is meant to be lived in a way that we just simply live out of what God has put into our heart. And as we do that, as we live out what God has put into our heart, we, we partner with God in our life. And, and rather than treat God as some kind of celestial Santa Claus who just gives us everything we want, when we want, if we're naughty or nice, we begin to treat God as if he's God. Now, there's a novel idea. Now, that means when we begin to treat God like he's God, we, we tap into the first two purposes. And as we, as we look at this, as we're finding meaning and purpose for life, I want to give you some definitions. And we used to, when we were, Kim and I were youth pastors, we used to teach this to children so that it was just ingrained in their thinking that what your life is about. So let's, let's put some foundations here, and I, and I trust that we can draw this out of Scripture as well. To live with purpose, and we could tackle what it isn't, but to live with purpose is to live. Now, we could say, and some people might answer this, is to live with an absolute defined, detailed knowledge of what your life is about and where your life is going. And I've got to tell you, that is not it. Now, God bless you if you've got that. And earlier this week, I was discussing with one of the cell groups in, in our church, you know, that I, I actually would not want to live with that knowledge. 
I would not want to live with the knowledge of, of irrefutable uh, words from God to, to such an extent that I, that, that I was not ever again to battle with doubt, not ever again to have to exercise faith. I wouldn't want to live that way. In fact, I think part of the adventure of life is to live life with a sense of mystery that demands that we live life with faith and trust. So, how are we to live? We are to live deliberately. Deliberately. You know, they, they, football coaches tell me that if you go into a game of football with the goal to play the game so that you don't get hurt, guess what's going to happen? Chances are you're going to get hurt. If you go in reserved, if you go in not to play the game but to simply to see out the game so that you can not get hurt, chances are you get hurt. Guess what happens? Those people who say, that's it, I'm fed up with life. I'm sick of playing this game. I don't want to get back out there into the real world. Man, that real world, that hurts. Man, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to have any friends. I'm going to cut myself. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to, that's it now. I'm, I've had it with the rest of the world. The rest of the world can go and jump as far as I'm concerned. I'm just going to live in my cocoon. Well, guess what's going to happen to that hurt little heart? It's going to continue to get hurt. And I've discovered, you know, even in pastoral ministry, uh, I've discovered that just about every year you get a clanger. Just about every year somebody dumps on you big time. Just about. Now, when, when, you're young, when you're a young pastor and you're making a few mistakes and you're treading on people's toes, you kind of give them bullets for their guns. And then as you mature and you get... The word is experienced, which means you just make a lot of mistakes. And you realise even then, even then, you'll still get hurt. And, I, and I've realised that, wait a minute, this isn't just for pastors. This is for people. Every, you know, just about, there are seasons of life where people are just, they are, they're going to turn, they're going to hurt. And you just got to think, do I withdraw from the game? Do I play the game just simply to see the game out or am I going to get back into the game and play the game? And I've decided I'm going to play the game. And I want you to come on this journey too. I don't want you to wake up tomorrow morning uh, in fact, what I'd rather you do, wake up tomorrow morning, wake up Monday morning and go, good morning, Lord, rather than, oh, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> Come on, let's get into the game. Let's play this game as if, you know, we, we can play it deliberately. Let's, let's get into life. We play it deliberately. We play it intentionally. We live life intentionally. You know, uh, this week at, at this cell group that I was at in this church, it was uh, Glenda who said that she, she met a couple of uh, people that she had something to do with in her work. And I'm trying to be very general here so as not to break any confidences, not that I think there are. But, and, and she said that um, th- these, these women came up to her and said, you're the Milo lady. You're the Milo lady. And she goes, and these women were apparently at a really tough time in, in, uh, in hospital. And, and Glenda just came back with a cup of Milo for her. And, just, and, you know, who would have thought just 
a simple act of kindness like that could transform someone's day. You know, as we live intentionally, uh, uh, Kim continually says, you know, I think someone in this family is plotting to make me happy. (laughs) We can live intentionally to be a blessing. We can live intentionally to be kind. We can, we can rub against the spirit of the world that wants to destroy and tear down and dog eat dog. And we as Christians can begin to set a different tone in our society and in this state. Isn't that right? You ever gone past a car and you've seen that the, you know, the parking meter is on zero and you see the, the, the grey ghost about to come up and give them a ticket and go on, ha, <laughs> ha, Was that just me? When, when I was growing up, our church used to have, have a little note. And back when you could actually put five cents in the parking meter and it made a difference. <laughs> now it's uh, unbelievable. Anyway, and we used to, we were told as a church, you know, if you're walking around the streets of Geelong, the centre of the greatest football team in the universe, and, and you, you see a car whose meter has run out, Get five cents, put it in the meter, put a little thing under their thing. Just say, look, I, I, I go to such and such a church. I just wanted to do something kind for you. I noticed your meter had run out and I put five cents in just to keep you going for another couple of hours. <laughs> well, acts of kindness. I heard of, um, uh, I think it was Oprah Winfrey who went to a McDonald's drive through And she, she ordered something... And then she, but then she did something unusual. She said, and I'd like to pay for the order of the person in the car behind me who's just ordered. So they, they, she paid for them. And what they did, they had a film crew film what happened. She paid and the person got to the window and, and, and the teller said, that's no charge. The, the lady in front paid for yours. And he said, really? Well, I'd like to pay for the car behind me then. And it went on for 47 cars. Isn't that great? Kindness is contagious. Now, that's li- that is part of living life with, in, with an intention to bless. We're going to live life to the full. We're going to live life with the purpose that God has given us. And I'm going to tell you that, that part of life's purpose is indeed to be a blessing to others. We we live intentionally. We live as if our lives mattered. You know, your life does matter. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. My life doesn't matter. You you know, I was reading the Psalms. In fact, I I was reading Psalm 43 and 44 and the psalmist who was caught up in the exile to Babylon... And obviously the sons of Korah who were a part of that exile to Babylon were godly men. These band of brothers, these, this, this clan of the tribe of Judah, godly, godly people. And, and this, this psalmist, one of them who wrote this says, you know, God, I haven't done anything wrong, but I'm being swept along with all of society away from you. And God, it feels like, and he begins to say, God, it feels like you don't care anymore. And God, it feels like you've abandoned me. And God, it feels like I can't hear you anymore. And God, those moments that I had going with the throng to the temple, I long for those days again. 
It says in Psalm 43, 44 in there. You know, here's one of the people in Scripture who, who had such intimate revelation of God, yet had moments in his life when he felt like God wasn't speaking, God wasn't present, God wasn't there, God, do you even care? And, you know, we all go through that. And yet, at the end of that psalm, the psalmist says something along these lines. Yet, I'm going to continue to worship you. And you know, that is one of our purposes. You are created with the purpose to worship. We've seen that the very first thing that we're created for is to be in connection with God, to be in relationship with God. A couple of weeks ago, I had, in fact, I've got several weddings that I'm preparing for, and I had somebody approach me from outside of the church and ask me if I would marry them. And I said, well, you realise who I am, and you're asking me as a minister to marry you. And I don't do civil weddings. I do Christian weddings. I said, yes, yes, that's fine, that's fine. Okay. Come on down. They came on down. I spoke and I said, look, I've got to tell you right at the start here, I don't believe your marriage can succeed unless you put God and his word at the very centre of your marriage. Yes, yes, that's fine. Whatever. Okay. Because what I'm going to be working on is actually that in your life. I believe if you have God at the centre of your life, centre of your marriage, you're living for him and based on his word, then, then essentially that's how your marriage is going to work. Well, about three days later, they contacted me and said, no, no, we don't want to do that. But we'll, we'll find someone else, thanks. And I, you know, and I thought... Part of me could have thought, oh, darn, lost some business. Not that it's a business. But another part of me thought, oh, good, they finally got it. Hear what I'm saying? Because I really believe that God is not just for Christians. I mean, get this. God is for everyone. There's not a person on the planet that has not been created with a purpose to be in relationship with God. Not a person. Our very first purpose is to know God, to find him. had somebody yesterday come um, to our house and uh, they, were, they were quite concerned about the intelligent design movement, uh, which is promoting the concept that there may be a, a designer who's created everything. And they said, but we're very, very concerned about it because the people that are pushing this, a lot of them aren't even Christians. And I'm thinking... Isn't that a good thing? Isn't that a good thing that people who aren't even Christians are going, well, we know Darwinian evolution can't be right, so what is? And you've got all these scientists going, well, hang on, the equation for one cell of life is, is, is the number 10 with 23,000 zeros after it and you can't have one of those missing and still have life. And even these scientists who aren't Christians are going, that's a miracle. There must be a God. That's a good thing, isn't it? You see, God isn't just the creator of Christians. God's the creator of everybody. And our second purpose is to worship him. We're created to worship him. You know what worship means? It means to totally surrender to him. To totally give over our lives to him. 
You know, when I signed up to be a Christian, that meant I surrendered my life to such an extent that even if I don't understand what God is doing with my life, I'm going to continue to worship Him. So to live our lives with purpose is to live as if your life mattered. It's also to live as if history depends upon it. You know, you and I will affect history. And I I believe that we're coming into an hour in this state where the church, where Christians are going to radically shape the future, which means we will affect history. I believe that is our purpose. We're created to do that. Well, to live with purpose is to live for God. If you hear nothing else, please hear this, especially every young person in this room. To live with purpose is to live for God and please Him as we endeavour to extend His kingdom. And note this, and note the order, please note the order, in our lives and beyond. Man, I'm telling you, you can be off saving the world and your life can be an absolute mess. It starts here. For me to live with purpose means that my life has to be right. You know, as a pastor, there's some things I've got influence over. There's a lot of things I haven't. And as such, you know, I come before God and I say, God, why don't you answer every prayer I pray? You ever prayed a prayer like that? God... You ever, you ever prayed a prayer that goes something like this? God, it's just not fair. <laughs> I prayed this and it didn't happen. Are you listening? And you know, you can, it's almost like God just lets you get it off your chest. Just let it go. And then at the end of it, rather than saying to God, well, that's it, I'm fed up with you, I tried you and you didn't work, a heart that's a heart of worship says, but I trust you. I surrender to you. And I'm going to worship you with my singing, with my talents, with my gifts, with my life, with my finance, with my resources, with my mind, with my heart. I'm going to serve you, which is the heart of worship. And as we live for God and to please Him, to extend His kingdom here and beyond, we're living life with purpose. That's the purpose. All right. Your Bible's open at Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I want to read this. Uh, uh, Most of us would be familiar with uh, this expression. He has put eternity in our hearts. It says that in this passage, in the English Standard Version, it says, I've seen the business that God has given to the children of men to be busy with. Now, it says there, I've seen the business. Other translations use the word purpose. I've seen the purpose or the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. Verse 11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Now, that's a profound thing. A life lived with purpose is a beautiful life. It reflects beauty. I heard this quote this week. Albert Einstein said this, if you want to know the truth, look at beauty because truth is beautiful. 
He said, if you begin to look at beauty, you'll begin very soon. If you follow that through, you'll discover the truth. And I've got to say, there is no one more beautiful than God. There's no one more beautiful. I love him. I want us to love him. I want us to serve him. I want us to live like he really was God. And he really is God. It says, Also he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. This verse in the Amplified Bible, it says this, uh, these two verses. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He, he has also planted eternity in men's hearts and minds. Now, this is what the Amplified Bible says that means. A divinely implanted sense of purpose. Working through the ages which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. Isn't that great? God has divinely planted, a divinely planted sense of purpose into the heart of every person. You are created for a reason. Your life counts. Your life counts. You are here to serve God. And you know, as we, as we live, to serve God, we come now to the third purpose. This sense of purpose that God has is to live in community. When God created Adam, he looked at Adam and after he said, very good, he actually, actually before he, he didn't say it to Adam alone, we'll come to that in a moment, but this is what he said to Adam. It is not good that he should be alone. Do you know, it's not good that you should be alone. The Bible is replete with teaching and instruction that talks about us being in community together. Working together, being together. I love marriage. I am blessed with the most beautiful woman on the face of the planet. I have a great wife. I have a great family. I have great kids. I belong to a great church. Well, a good church. We're becoming great. Because we've got to get lower to get higher. And you know, what makes it great is that we can be real. I can be real with my wife. I can be real with my kids. I can be real in church. Most of the people who, in fact, I'd like to just do something just, just as a time out thing here. Could you just stand, if you've been in this church longer than 15 years, let's give them a clap. Isn't that awesome? Okay, can you just stay, can you stay standing? It's could you just stand if you've been in this church longer than eight years? Longer than eight years. Fifteen and now eight. Longer than eight. Longer than five. Now, here's just a point. We've got people away today, but isn't it great that there's a chunk of people, you know, in some churches you could say that, 
And, and by this stage, even still, no one would be standing. And I think this is fantastic. Please be seated. But you know what else is fantastic? The number of people that aren't standing. That's great. Isn't that great? <coughs> Testing. Isn't that great? It's great. It's great to have a wide open door. It's great to be a welcoming church. It's great to be a community that says, hey, we're not in this just for ourselves. We're in this to open up the doors. We're in this to be welcoming. We're, this is a family that's continually adopting. We've been adopted in and we're continually adopting. That's a good thing. Now, the Bible says about community, and, 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 and I probably don't want to rush this, but, but here we go. It, it, to, to live with purpose is to live in community with God's people. You know, uh, we can discover the joy of living in community. It says, as we bring this to a close in Ephesians 2.22, if you could turn to Ephesians 2.22, please. The whole book of Ephesians talks about the wonderful blessing of church. You know, one of the things I love about being real and being in church is that no matter where I am, I don't have to be anybody else. And I especially don't have to be anybody else if somebody from this church walks in unexpectedly and and finds me in a different context, whether it be on the tennis court or whether it be in the street. I can just be real. I love that about church. You know, just the sense of ease, and you'll find just a warm welcome. And part of your purpose is to be connected with others. It's called synergy. It means that your effort can be multiplied many times over if you're in community. Ephesians 2.22 says this, In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I want you to notice the key words, together. Part of God's purpose for our lives is to be built up. You want to be built up? You want to be a stronger person? You want to be stronger? You want to be close in your relationship with God? It means being built together into a community of believers. Now, I've seen people attend church and think they're fellowshipping. They think they're in the community just simply because they turned up. It's deeper than that. And we invite you in. Let's pray. Father, help us to live with purpose. Help us to live our lives with a sense that we are connected to you, a sense that we are worshipping you, and a sense that we belong in community with other believers who can strengthen us, encourage us, keep us on track, spur us on, as it says in Hebrews 10.25. Father, for this purpose, we have been created to be in relationship with you, to worship you, and to be a part of your people together. Now, Lord, I pray that whatever hurt, whatever injury, whatever has come that that has robbed anybody in this house of the full blessing of any of those three things, we pray gently remove it and bring healing and bring the peace of God right now, I pray. In 
Jesus' name. Amen. Finding purpose and meaning in life. Rather than just rolling with the punches and wandering aimlessly through life, live it on purpose. Be part of a community. I encourage you to stay with us as Dr. Corbett continues to explore the process of finding purpose and meaning for life over the coming weeks. If you'd like to listen again to tonight's program, you may like to purchase a CD copy for $5.50, including postage and handling. Just contact Lagana Media at P.O. Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. Please quote the program title, Finding Purpose and Meaning, Session 4. Finding Truth Matters resources are also available via the website at www.findingtruthmatters.org. If you'd like to subscribe to Finding Truth Matters monthly e-newsletter perspectives, visit findingtruthmatters.org and click subscribe. Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett is a production of Lagana Media. We look forward to joining you at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.